Good evening, everybody, and welcome. Tonight we are going to be beginning chapter four of the Gate of Trust, Shar Habitachin. And I, I perhaps would say it's the meat and potatoes. What does that mean? That means that until now we were talking about what is trust. We were talking about the, the items that the provider needs to have to trust in him, five things that someone trusting needs to put in place. But we haven't spoken about how you, how you work out this uh, paradox of trusting and doing. Right? If we trust in Hashem that he's going to give me what I need, so I don't need to uh, go to work. I don't need to go to a doctor. I don't need to do anything. But we obviously do need to do something. So how do we understand this paradox of trusting and doing? Now, in order to um, understand this idea, and, and not only, I shouldn't say understand, understand we've already given an explanation. But in order to get into the nitty gritty and tell me how does trust and you know, doing your part work regarding life, we need to break it down into seven parts of life. And that's what we're going to learn tonight. We're going to learn the introduction to how we're going to break it down. We're going to learn the breakdown, the seven different items where we need to trust in Hashem. And then we're going to actually say, and so this is what trust looks like in this scenario. So bear with me. But I, I believe we're going to uh, be very practical and relevant tonight. Parak Ravi, chapter four, the seven areas in which one is bound to trust in God. However, the matters regarding which the believer in the Almighty is obligated to rely on the Creator are two different categories. So you need to trust in Hashem in two different areas. The first category is those matters that pertain to this world. I need to trust in Hashem that he'll take care of me in this world. And while the second category is those, those matters that pertain to the world to come. So we're trusting in Hashem that he's going to take care of us, us in this world and in the world to come. Now, in each of these categories, we're going to break it down into, like I said, ultimately seven categories. Now, within the first category itself, the matters that pertain to this world itself can be subdivided into two subcategories. The first subcategory consists of those worldly matters which benefit the person in this world, while the second subcategory consists of those worldly matters which benefits the person in the world to come. So when we trust in Hashem in this world, we trust in Him to take care of us in the here, I, I trust Hashem that he's going to make sure I have food for breakfast tomorrow. So I'm trusting in Hashem in something regarding this world. And it's benefiting me in this world. 
However, I can have trust in Hashem regarding things within this world, as we'll talk about. That's going to be, for example, when I'm doing mitzvot, I'm trusting in Hashem. But that trust in Hashem is within this world, connected to the world to come. So within the category of trusting in Hashem regarding this world, we've, sub, we've subdivided it to items that are purely connected to this world and items connected to this world in order for the world to come. Okay, and now, you know, let me show you this little uh, visual I made. Hopefully it will be a little clarifying. So as you see in this visual, there's matters of this world that impact, I'm just gonna read the bold for a moment to see this is where we're up to. Matters of this world that impact this world. And then we have matters of this world that impact the world to come. And then we have matters of the world to come. So we've broken it down into these three categories. Matters of this world that impact this world, matters of this world that impact the world to come, and matters of the world to come. And now, as you could see on this paper, we're going to break up each of these three items to a total of seven. Here we go. So even the subcategory of those matters which are for the benefit of a person in this world can be divided into three further categories. So the first category where I need to trust in Hashem consists of those matters which benefit the person himself. That's going to be life and death, health, items that are connected to me alone. That has one method of trusting in Hashem. The second category consists of those matters which benefit his livelihood are the sources of his wealth and different types of possessions. So the second is already talking about, perhaps we'll call it additional income. In other words, it's not the money I need to buy my sandwich for today. And it's not the money I need for gas to get to work. The second category where we trust in Hashem are talking about my investments, my capital, can, do I have money to give to tzedakah? Those are the second category where we need to trust in Hashem. The third category consists of those matters that benefit members of his household, his wife, his close family members, his friends, his enemies, and those people who are either more important than him or less important than him. So the third category where we need to trust in Hashem, and that has its own method of trusting in Hashem, is will a person have a family? How big will his family be? Will he have friends? Will he have enemies? Will the people, will his boss be, be nice to him? Will his, um, will, will his, the people on the same level as him or, or, the people that are that he's in charge of, will they be nice to him? So that is the third area where we need to trust in Hashem. And again, that's going to have its own method of, not its own method, but its own um, own track, its own understanding of when to rely on Hashem and how to do our part.
So what we've covered so now, let's go back to that handout, is the first section. We've covered matters of this world that impact this world, which include health and basic sustenance, additional income, and the relationship with others. Now we're going to go to the next category, which is matters of this world that impact the world to come. The subcategory of those worldly matters that benefit a person in the world to come can also be divided into two categories. The first category is comprised of those obligations of the heart and mitzvot performed with one's limbs, which pertain to him alone and which do not benefit or cause harm, harm to anyone else. So the first area of doing mitzvot in this world, which um, has a, its own understanding of trust, is going to be mitzvot, Torah and mitzvot, that just connect to me alone. Am I fasting on Yom Kippur? Am I wearing appropriate clothing? Am I eating kosher? Those are items that just are connected to me. I don't need someone else. However, there's certain mitzvahs you need somebody else. If you want to give tzedakah, if you want to be a teacher. So those mitzvahs have a separate understanding of what Pitachon will look like in that instance. The second category. The second category consists of those mitzvahs which one performs with one's limbs, which one cannot perform without someone else's participation with one person performing the act and the other person being the recipient of the act. So if everybody's going to fight over what they're going to do, you won't be able to do the mitzvah. And some examples of such mitzvahs are charity, acts of kindness, teaching Torah, instructing other people to do good or to warn them against doing bad. So this is the second area of items we do in this world, but connected to the world to come. Let me give you an example. We talk about Avraham Avinu. We talk about Avraham, the first Jew. He was such a kind person that when he wasn't able to practice kindness, it was painful, right? And the pain was so real that what happened? Hashem made angels go and visit Avraham. Avraham, he was 99 years old, and he had a bris milah, and Hashem tried to do him a favor, and he made the beating sun come out so that no one will pass by Avraham's tent. But Avraham was pained that he still, even in his pain of being 99 years old and performing his own bris milah, that wasn't enough pain to stop him from wanting to be kind to someone else. He needed someone else to do that mitzvah. Shmuel, you wanted to ask a question? 
No, we're taking that. <laughs> okay. So now we talk about the world to come. So far, let's review. We've talked about the first five categories. We just spoke about matters of this world that impact the world to come, which are personal mitzvot. And then we have interpersonal mitzvot. Matters of the world to come are going to be rewards for mitzvot and the supreme goodness of the world to come. Let's see that inside. Those matters of the world to come can also be divided into two subcategories. One of these subcategories is the reward that a person receives in the world to come, which he deserves as a reward for his good deeds in this world. So we're trusting, we're having bitachon that Hashem is going to give us a reward for our mitzvahs. Bitachon. And the way we trust in Hashem that he's going to reward us for our mitzvahs is a certain way we're going to trust in Hashem. The Hasheni, and finally the seventh item, which is the second item connected to the world to come is the good that one receives in the world to come, which is due to the kindness of the creator over the pious people and the prophets. So we're going to talk about a seventh level. We're going to talk about a reward that is not due to what you've done, but it's due to Hashem's kindness. But that's a reward. In other words, there's a level of bitachon we're going to have about that reward. So Mark, there is Hagmul Haroi, there is the reward that a person deserves. You gave tzedakah. You know, it says, Hashem says, test me, try it out. Give a dollar, I'll give you back 10. Test me, give, you give tzedakah, we're told we'll get 10 times the amount back. So there is this appropriate reward, so to say, for your good deeds. But then there is a reward that's much greater. And the, the bitachon we have for each of those two things are set, is, set, is different. So what we're going to do now is we're now going to list the seven items. You know what? When we started learning Shara Bitachon, I mentioned that there's a lot of numbers. You have to, in, in Yiddish, we say haltka. You have to hold on. Don't get discouraged. Bear with me. Um, but at the end, you're going to appreciate it. Okay, here we go. So now we're going to summarize. In total, there are seven categories of matters which a person relies on the Creator for. Though, number one, those matters which pertain solely to the person himself. Number two, those matters which pertain to his wealth and the means of his livelihood. The third item is those matters which pertain to his wife, his children, his family members, his friends, and his enemies. 
The fourth category is those obligations of the heart and the mitzvahs performed with the limbs of the person which only benefit or cause harm to the person himself. The fifth category is those obligations performed with the limbs of the person which benefit or harm other people. This, this number six, the reward in the world to come, which is commensurate with the person's actions in this world. And finally, the seventh category is the reward in the world to come, which comes as a form of kindness from the Creator over those who are treasured by Him and those who love Him. This is interesting. For the seventh category, this idea that Hashem rewards someone, not much more than what they've done, a much greater reward than what they've earned. And where do we see that? How do we know this? It's something that uh, we don't learn much about. So how do we know this idea that Hashem gives people a reward much greater than they've earned? My Shekhasov, like King David says in Tehillim, How abundant is your good that you have hidden for those who fear you? In the presence of man, you have acted for those who take refuge in you. So Hashem, how abundant is your good? Your good is abundant, meaning it's more than we're deserving. Okay, so now we have the seven categories. Again, you can see it on this handout, the seven categories where a person needs to trust in Hashem. Any questions before we go ahead? What we're going to do now is, and I think personally, when I learned it, when I, when I was reviewing this the first time, when I learned the seven categories, it's a little confusing. Uh, but when we're going to learn <laughs> the application within each category, it's going to become crystal clear. So let's see that. Let's, let, here we go. The cave on Here's something beautiful we're going to learn now. Every step of the way, if you follow Rabbein Bahaya, he actually tells you, he says, why does one chapter come after the next? So he says, you want to know why chapter four is coming here after chapter three? The cave on Shepe Rashti Ha Hakdama is Asher Bavuran Yitachin Habitachin. Min Habitach Bele Kimisale, since I explained in the previous two chapters, the five foundational concepts, which as a result of recognizing them, it is possible for the person who has Bitachin and the Almighty, may he be exalted to have Bitachin. So now that I've told you what you need in order to have bitachai, so chapter four is yeshalai lismech lahen perush afne yoisher habitachai. 
it is now incumbent upon me to juxtapose to them the explanation of the proper manner in which one should have bitachin. Regarding each one of the above mentioned seven categories, through them he will know how one is supposed to go about having bitachin and the Almighty as well as how to rely on others. Okay. So why is chapter four or chapter four? Why isn't it chapter one, two, or three? Because chapter one, two, three were telling me what is trust who I should trust, and what needs to be in place to trust. But we haven't spoken about how we trust. And so now we're going to make it practical. We're going to talk about the first category. But before we learn inside, I want to ask you, how should we trust Hashem regarding our life and death? In other words, the question is, Forgive me, I'll be a little, a little personal, I'll be a little dramatic. When it came to the COVID-19 vaccine, I had people tell me, they said, I'm going to take the vaccine. And if it's supposed to be my end, so that must be what Hashem wants. <laughs> That's what people told me. This was before we had all the data, right? When it was coming out, they're like, I'm going to get it. And uh, if, if Hashem wants to take me through that, he'll take me. Maisha Mendel, is that, tell me, where does that fit on the uh, bitachin barometer? Is that uh, an appropriate saying, an inappropriate, what, what do you think? Mm. And, and by the way, I hear, unfortunately, I've heard this often. You know, people, people say, I'll do this. And, and uh, you know, if, if it's my time, it's my time. And if not, I'll, I'll live. What's your thoughts, Maisha Mendel? Bitachon doesn't necessarily negate Human, human activity, I mean, you more or less Correct. working in partnership with Hashem, I think. That's how I, that's how I view it. So, so remember, we've broken this up into seven categories. And at the moment, we're, we're going to discuss items connected literally to a person's personal well-being. So regarding a person's life and death, what does it mean to trust in Hashem? So Shmuel, I'd like to hear your insight on this person who told me that uh, I'll take the vaccine. Eh, whatever happens, it's okay with me because that must be Hashem's will. You like it. It's logical. I don't see any problem with it. It's a, it's a little, uh, sounds kind of fatalistic, but <laughs> doesn't that necessarily have to be a, a bad kind of fatalism? Uh, Okay. Oh, I, I mean, I, I have a thought. Myra, what do you think? He's saying, he's saying whatever will happen will happen. Right. I don't know exactly what I think. I, um, I fluctuate in my, in my um, thinking about, about it. That's, that's I'm interested in what other people have to say. Mark, what about you? So it, it, it it ties back to a little bit of what Michael was saying, but it's a matter of faith. Is where's my level of faith here? So, if I believe that it's a free will, 
and we talked about free will last week as well, is I'm going to take the vaccine and whatever happens, happens. But if I have, if I have faith in Hashem, my faith says that Hashem created the vaccine like he created the polio vaccine. Um, so I can be safe. So I'm putting my faith in Hashem that he created something safe for me. Okay, Actually, so Mark, it, it reminds me of something the other day. I forget exactly how it's related, but he was talking about keeping the ashes of Isaac before us. I think uh, related to ballistics. Yeah. Marbasha, before we go ahead, do you want to share anything? Well, I was just wondering about where. Um... Marbasha, I'm going to encourage you to pick up your screen uh... or, your, or your web camera. Pick it up. Oh, I don't know. All we see, it, all we see, is a sofa cushion or a blanket. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. Let's see. Um, is that it? That's okay. That's okay. Go, go ahead. I don't mean to. The cameras need to be reversed. Right. Camera has to be. Um. Oh, maybe. That better. Yes. There. <laughs> All right. Um. Uh, um, okay, so there, there's this idea that we're not supposed to test Hashem. So does that enter into this, um, this conversation? You know what? I'm not going to make a comment. I want everyone to hold their thoughts. Let's see a little bit what he's going to say, and, I, and then we'll see if we can revisit it at, at 9 o'clock. Here we go. I will say, as an explanation of the first category of the seven, which is outlined above, consists of those matters which pertain solely to the person himself. What, is, what does that include? Which are his life and death. And the food for his livelihood, and we're being very clear, this means you have food to eat today. It's not saying you have money in the bank. We're saying the first section is going to talk about life and death, food to keep you alive. Literally, you should have a pair of, you should have clothing. You should have a place to sleep. of health and illness, as well as his character traits, which a person needs in order to function well. So in, in regards to all of these items that connect a person's basic being, how should you trust in Hashem? The mayhem, regarding each of the, these matters, the proper manner in which one is to rely on the Almighty is that he should give himself over regarding all these matters to the predetermined ways in which the creator has decided to conduct himself with him. So in regards to all of these items, tell yourself I'm in Hashem's hands. If you're going to get a cold, if you're going to be, if you're going to be healthy, if a person is going to die, if they're going to live, it's in Hashem's hands. 
And tragically, we see that from what happened recently in Israel. It's in Hashem's hands. You're talking about Mehran? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think it, it hit home for my daughter, Sarah, who went to two funerals as a result of that. Oh, wow. She knew two people. Really? Yeah. It's, um, there, there is no explanation. But one thing we do know is that it's in Hashem's hands. Yeah, I think one of the most harmful things that people could do now is try and put point fingers. You know, if, if you know, things need to be worked on and change, so be it. And people should work on that. But as a, as a people, to go and point fingers, that, that it was Hashem's, was Hashem's plan. We have to cry to Hashem, say we don't want this plan. We want plan A, not plan B. We want Mashiach. But it was Hashem's plan. And so regarding life and death, we have to just say Hashem, Hashem got this. And he should rely on the Almighty, blessed be he. He should rely on the Almighty, blessed be he, and recognize that none of these matters come into being unless it has been predetermined by the Almighty. That it is the proper thing for him in this world and the next, and it will ultimately be all for the best. So whatever is happening to you and I, on a personal basis, we need to know it has been predetermined by Hashem and it's the best thing. Let's let's look at these. It's the best thing for us in this world, in the next world. It ultimately is all going to be for the best. Um... Now, not only is it the best thing, we want to reemphasize, no one has any power in this. We cannot come and say that this person hurt me. He should, all, he should realize that the Almighty conducts himself equally regarding all those matters. Such that no other being's advice or behavior can help anybody unless it is with the Almighty's permission and according to his decree and judgment. When it comes to where to a person having food for the night, when it comes to a person having a place to sleep, when it comes to a person's health, life and death, no one has any effect on you, it's only Hashem. And just as we understand that no person has power over someone's life or death, illness or health, so too they do not have any control over a person's livelihood, his other needs, his clothing, and other and other matters pertaining to his body. So this is very powerful, very powerful. 
we're learning that when it comes to you and I staying alive in a safe place, no one has any say in this. No one can come and say it's, it's my friend's fault, it's my parents' fault, it's my friend's uh, praise, it's my... Being alive and healthy is all from Hashem. Any questions about this? Okay, now we're going to say, now with, yes, more Basha, but and before I take your question, I just want to re review where we're going with this. With understanding that it's all Hashem, we still need to make the correct choices. And that's going to go back to that statement of, oh, if Hashem wants, you know, I could do whatever I want because if Hashem wants me to die, well, so that's what he wanted. No, that's not an appropriate manner. That's what we're going to learn now. Yes, Morbasha, go ahead. Well, um, just in relationship to um, listening to, this isn't talking about listening to our doctor, is it? I mean, we're, we're supposed to listen to our doctor, the rabbi would, you know, there's many instances where he says that. But um, I don't know. So this yeah. is telling you to listen to your doctor. Mm -hmm. except this is actually exactly telling you what the Rebbe would tell people. The Rebbe said doctors are only empowered to help mm -hmm. people live. People would come to him and say, the doctors say something terrible is going to happen. He said, don't listen to the doctors. The doctors aren't in control of bad things happening to you. Only Hashem's in control. So a bad prognosis from a doctor doesn't mean something bad will happen to you. But we still need to listen to the doctors, yes. Does that help more, Basha? No, thank you. So, yes, everything is in Hashem's hands, but we need to be safe. We need to do our part. Let's see that inside. However, accompanying one's conviction that A, all one's matters are totally under the jurisdiction of the decrees of the Creator, may he be exalted. And that B, everything that the Creator chooses for him is the best choice. Well, if everything Hashem chooses, I could go and go crazy. This is what Hashem wants. One is also obligated to make efforts to pursue the means which will benefit him and to choose those means which appear to, to him to be the best. The Almighty will then do that which he has already decreed. So, Yes, Hashem has a plan, but part of his plan is that we need to do our part. And so, for example, a person shouldn't starve himself, right? You could see, um, I just want, right. We're going to give, give some really incredible examples. But initially, we're going to start talking about starvation. Technically, you could say, well, <laughs> you know, the, the expression they say, you could take the horse to the water, but you can't make the, the horse drink. 
I have food, but I don't need it. I, I, let me see how long I could last without eating. I'll try it out. Let me see how long Hashem wants me to live. It's not so smart. Actually, it's not smart at all. That is, that is against Judaism. Because a person needs to do his part to help Hashem. Do, make the right choices. That. By way of comparison, although the end of a person's life and how long he will live have been decreed by the decree, have been fixed by the decree of the Creator, may he be blessed. A person must still pursue those means which preserve his life, such as food, drink, clothing, as well as living quarters according to his needs. And you shouldn't rely on the Almighty regarding them by saying, if it has been predetermined, a person should not say if it has been predetermined by the decree of the Creator that I should live, then he will keep me alive even without food for my entire life. And I will not exert myself in pursuing food and the toil that is necessary to obtain a livelihood to pay for the food. So, yes, Hashem has a plan, but we need to go ahead and do our part. So that leaves us the obvious question. What's wrong? Why? Why can't, as we're going to give the example soon, why can't someone just go and drink poison and see if it works? Hey, maybe today's my lucky day. I wasn't supposed to die today. Why can't a person go to the local zoo and jump in with the lions and see, hey, he's like Hashem. I'm just curious if I'm supposed to be alive tomorrow, so I'm going to help you out. I'll jump into the lines. What's wrong with that? What is wrong with that? You could get hurt. <laughs> you could what? You could get hurt. <laughs> yeah, but you won't get hurt. Dan D Daniel was in the lion's den and he didn't get hurt. We know of people that drink poison and Hashem, and Hashem saved them. So try it out. We know people whose parachutes don't open and they survive. Yeah, we know We know of many miracle stories. So if, I, if I'm supposed to be alive tomorrow, a miracle's going to happen. We're just not hardwired that way. The animal, the animal soul uh, doesn't agree. Yeah, um, because Hashem controls the animals too. Even if the divine soul wants to tempt fate with the animal, the other part that's the animal of the person says, the lion is not exactly my pet tiger. <laughs> Let's, we're going to learn one more paragraph uh, that's going to kind of introduce this topic. And next week, we're going to learn the two, we're going to learn why, like what exactly will happen? What happens if a person does drink poison? And he does live, or he does die. 
We'll talk about that next week. But because we, we need to talk about that based on what we're learning, why try? I mean, why not? Hashem's going to keep us alive. So we need to get nitty gritty here. Remember, we're in chapter four. We're going to get into the nitty gritty and start talking about what trust. Here we're talking about what trust means regarding life and death. So it is not fitting for a person to place himself in danger as part of his reliance on the creator's decrees. By the way, this person, he walks around as if he's the greatest person with, I trust in Hashem so much. I'm willing to jump out of a plane. And I know Hashem's going to keep me alive. Wow, I am now, now, that makes me a great person. I trust in Hashem so much, I'm willing to drink poison. Mm-hmm. And don't be smart by drinking poisonous potions. Or to say, you know what? Big lion fight tomorrow. Or to endanger himself by fighting with a lion or other dangerous wild animals. Here's a catch. If he does not have to, and this is a very important line, because that's exactly what we're talking about here. If someone needs to drink poison, so then he should do it. In other words, if someone's being forced to, someone's, you know, he's saying, drink this or else I'm going to kill you. So in that scenario, a person, from what we're learning, should drink it and trust in Hashem that he, he won't die. And if a person is being put in the lion's den like Daniel, a person should trust that Hashem is going to take care of him. Here, that's not what we're talking about. He's, we're talking about someone's just trying it out. No, that's not appropriate. Or a person says, you know what? A per- should a person jump into the sea or into fire or endanger himself in any other similar manner? in which a person cannot be sure of his safety. How do I know you shouldn't do this? So the verse states, you shall not test the Lord, your God, as you tested him in Masa. So in the Torah, we have a clear verse that says we should not test Hashem. And so... Going ahead and jumping into fire, jumping out of a plane, jumping into the water, fighting with lions, drinking poison. That's testing Hashem. And Hashem tells us we are not allowed to, we're not allowed to test him. We need to try. We need to always do what's most appropriate. So yeah, next week we'll learn what's going to happen. What happens if a person drinks it and he stays alive? Does that mean it's his lucky day? What happens if he dies? Does that mean it's still his lucky day? That's what was supposed to happen? But let's revisit it. And then I do see you have a question. We started talking earlier about this person saying, yeah, I'll take the vaccine. And if I'm supposed to die, I'll die. How does that play in with what we're saying now? Is that an appropriate comment? That he should take them that he should take the vaccine or no again i'm not i don't want to talk practically whether you should take the vaccine if you want you could talk to me off the record i'll tell you you know my thoughts but that's not our conversation here I'm, our conversation is specifically about whether someone should say i'll do something that is not so safe you know this 
that was, you know, at the, there was a time period where people said the vaccine wasn't safe. So at that moment, point when people were saying, oh, I'll take it. It's okay. It's not so safe. Fine. I'll, I'll take it. And if I die, I'll die. That, that's, that's not an appropriate attitude. Right. Because it's not if I die, I'll die. You have to do what is always the best. That's why they decided to take it. No, good. If you take it because you believe it's correct, that's good. But well, if you take, a if you take it, risk, uh, the, the, well, maybe I'm looking at the hey, risk-benefit analysis. Correct. Take the risk-benefit analysis. So then if you take it because you believe it's the correct thing to do, then go ahead and take it. In other words, Hashem is telling you, that's not a test. You've made a decision. But if you take it because you're like, I mean, what's the worst case scenario? I'll die. That's not appropriate. You should take it because you believe you're going to live, not because you may die. I was was thinking about the case of uh, Nakshon. Yeah. Jumped into the Red Sea. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. So he wasn't, he obviously wasn't concerned about his safety or endangering himself so that's a very fascinating question my shamandal is asking maybe we should continue it my shamandal is asking when the jewish people were at the sea so oh. nachshon the first person go that went fully into the water he went up until his neck he was technically about to die yeah so he was seemingly doing something inappropriate because trust means you do what's going to keep you, what's going to allow you to live. It's a good question. So one, th- one thought that comes to mind, Maisha Mendel, is that if Hashem, and that's actually something we're going to learn about. Okay. If Hashem tells you to go, then you're not testing it. Hashem told the Jewish people, go. Nachshon was following Hashem's orders. He became the harbinger for everybody else under the circumstances, right? That, that's correct. But he became the harbinger. But in regards to your particular question, how he could go, if Hashem tells you to fight with a lion, then you should fight with a lion. That's not our conversation. Our conversation here is not talking about if Hashem tells you to. Our conversation is telling you if Hashem doesn't tell you, then don't do it. But in the case of Nachshon, where the Jewish people had been instructed, go. So then trusting in Hashem actually means trusting him that you will live even as the water is getting up to your to your throats. Does that make sense, Maisha Mendel? It's a phenomenal yeah. question. It, it's a question and there are numerous answers. So thank you for bringing it up. Okay, you're welcome. Thank you for your answer. In, in those days, there was the, they, they had this direct message from Hashem. How does Hashem message me today? Ah, that's a good question. So in those days, Hashem told them, go. So Hashem... He's asking about now. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) So Mark, I'm going to ask you to think about it for a moment. And I think you'll you'll think of many times when Hashem tells you to go. I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. The Torah many times tells us to do things 
that at the moment may not seem so safe. For example, one example is, you just reminded me of a story I read just I was reading with my kids. It's a, they made it into a comic book of Reb Lazer Nanis. He was a Jew who was sent for 20 years to Siberia. And throughout his entire time there, he only ate kosher food. And many times he was on the brink of death. But he made sure, he, he says, the Torah gave us, gives us guidelines and I'm going to follow those guidelines. So he had, he had a message from Hashem. And, and he lived throughout the entire throughout the entire period. So following life as a Jew, there are times that it seems we're not doing the smartest thing. It seems that we're up to our neck. We're up to our neck with water. And following the Torah seemingly is going to take us further. But we have to follow. As Jewish people, we're going to follow what the Torah says and we're going to explain we're going to trust in Hashem that the sea will split. Let me give you one more example, Mark. One more example that I think is more relevant to the people here. When someone's looking for a job, or when someone has a job, so sometimes the jobs will do things that will demand of us to work on Shabbos, to do things that are against our religion. And on the one hand, you could say that if I don't take the job, I won't have money and I'm going to starve. The water is up to my throat. But Nachshon is saying, let's, Hashem has given us a clear direction, a clear directive to, go for, to continue going in the sea. And, but, and the sea will split. So that job where they, they're telling you, you must work on Shabbos. No, that's not for me. That's not, not for a nice Jewish boy or girl. But you still will have what you need to live. Or Mark, people, does that make it a little more applicable? Yeah, but you've got to be able to trust that not if you don't take that first job, that the next one is around the corner. So you need to trust if you don't take that job, the next one is around the corner. That, that if you choose to, to not take the job mm -hmm. that where you have to work on Shabbat, that, that other job where you can observe Shabbat is around the corner. But in the interim, you've got to feed your family. So I'm going to be a little annoying to you. I'm going to say regarding this last point, we need to wait till we're going to learn about the second and third items. You remember the second and third categories we learned at the beginning of this class were extra money, extra income, and then there was kind of taking care of your family. Those will play in a lot with what you're saying. So it wouldn't be appropriate for me to try and answer it with just the knowledge we have here. Okay. So you're asking um, me to be patient then? I'm asking you to be patient. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I have patience. Absolutely.